Welcome to the Messiah Podcast. We are so glad you tuned in today. Whether you are driving, doing chores, or taking a walk, we hope the Lord quiets your head and your heart to hear truth and be challenged through His Word. Without further ado, let's dive into the message. Well, grab a Bible, everybody, and uh, turn over to Genesis chapter 22. So I hope you're joining us. We just started this year-long message series on the whole Bible. And uh, it's a chronological Bible, and if you don't know what that means, it just means that instead of going Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, we're actually going to go on the timeline of the Bible uh, because there's so many things that are interspersed in the timeline. So we're basically doing the chronological, the time aspect of the Bible, and it's going to bring everything into the Scripture in a little bit different way. And uh, I don't know how you found it already, if you've been following along. Uh, I found it pretty amazing uh, how it grabs other places of Scripture and brings it in. And uh, so I'm actually, uh, if you're like, well, Ed, why are you doing 22? We kind of moved on from there. We did. 22, chapter 22 was actually last Sunday. Uh, Matt did an amazing job of setting it up. Uh, the series up with the first message last weekend. We're going to build on that. But I want to go back and I want to look at chapter 22. Because there's a few stories in the Bible that are so impactful for the whole Bible, for the whole Scriptures. And the reason why I want to go back is last time we talked, we talked a lot last week about the covenant that God had made with Abraham. And because he believed God that he would have children, he was 75 at the time with no children, that he believed God and God credited to him as righteousness. Now we're going to take it one step further and it's really one of those incredible things that I think you're going to find it's going to even benefit your life today. I know it did me. It's really impacted me. But let me ask you a question as we dive in here. If you could ask God one question about your life, what would it be? I mean, as you've lived your life, I have no doubt, doesn't matter how old you are, something happened in your life that you can't make sense of. It, you don't know why. And it's easy to go, God, this made no sense. I can't understand it. From a professional, if you will, church standpoint, my question is, God, why did journeys close on Main Street. Golly, that like took my breath away. And I still wonder like, why God? Why? It was such an incredible ministry in the community. Why? And I don't necessarily have that answer. I know for Solomon, remember King Solomon? He's the only person in the whole Bible that God said, ask me for something. I'll do whatever you want. What would you like? And you might remember this. He said, God, I want wisdom. And God said, because you asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you a long life. I'm going to give you wealth. I'm going to give you wisdom and honor. There will be no king like you before, no king like you after, because you asked for wisdom because he wanted God to show him how to be the ruler of the Israelites. And that was very God-honoring to him. But that's the only person God has ever said, what, what can I do for you? What would you like? But what question do you have for God? 
Because sometimes when life doesn't make sense, I'm reminded of a couple of Bible verses. One is from Isaiah 55. God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Then no matter how much we think something, God's thoughts are higher. Deuteronomy 29, here's another good one to memorize. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever. And there's some things that come along in life that just, I don't know about you, but it, it makes you just wonder. I want to take you back about 25 years when I was serving a church in Lexington, Illinois. It's one of those times that just, I've never gotten an answer, never, I'll never have an answer, and if I could ask God a question, I think I would ask him that one. It was a couple that I had gotten to know quite well. They had no kids. And she was in her 40s, mid-40s. He was a little bit older. He was around 50. <clears throat> they were content. They couldn't have kids. And they were content, like, okay, God, this isn't going to happen. And we're not going to have kids. And they were living their life accordingly. And one day she called me and she said, Ed, you're never going to believe it. I'm pregnant. No, nobody could believe it. It was kind of like Sarah and Abraham. Nobody could believe it. It was like, you know, this incredible experience walking with them those nine months, baby's born, uh, the celebration of a century, you know, like something that couldn't be, now was in her mid 40s. Eight months later, the baby died from SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome, with a babysitter. I don't think in my whole ministry there's been more tragic of a death of a child. I just remember the tears from them. We were better off not than having a child and God taking the child. And that would be a question that like, I can't understand it. God's ways are higher. God's thoughts are higher. Secret things belong to the Lord our God. We'll never understand. But sometimes those things happen that we can't understand it. Well, Abraham is another one of those. So if you've got Genesis 22 open, let's start reading through. Sometime later, okay, now let me just set the stage. Abraham is about 100, and we're, we don't know the exact age, about 112. So he's 112 years old. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, I, I want you to see, there's a dialogue. This is not a vision. This is not a prompting on his heart. This is an audible. 
This isn't audible from God. Abraham, yes, here I am. He's talking to God so that there could be no doubt what God was doing. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. That must have stopped Abraham right in his tracks. God promised him a child at 75. Finally, he has a child when he's 100 years old. Isaac's born. And God said, all of your descendants are going to come through Isaac. As many as the stars in the sky. So you have this conflict going on inside of Abraham. Like, God, you promised me through Isaac all of these descendants, but now you just ask me to sacrifice them as a burnt offering. Now, what's a burnt offering? Very simply in the Bible, it wasn't a sin offering. It wasn't, there are different offerings for different things in the Bible, but a burnt offering is when you want to just say to God, I love you, I praise you, I adore you, I glorify you as God. I'm going to offer an animal in gratitude, out of appreciation. And I know it sounds a little strange, but you know what the equivalent would be? Is if we had a burn pit up here and you took money out of your wallet and came up and said, God, I love you and adore you and I'm just going to burn money to show you how much I love you. That's what it was. They didn't have a monetary system. They had, they had cattle. I mean, they had livestock. That was kind of like their wealth. And so you would just take one of those lambs and bring them to God. God would smell the barbecue, lamb roasting, and God would just smell that, and, and it would move God's heart. It would stir God's heart. So for God to say to Abraham, Take what's most precious to you. And did you catch what he said? Take your son, your only son, whom you love. Does that sound familiar? When Jesus was baptized, let me read this, Matthew 3. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him, and a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. This is my son whom I love. And God says to Abraham, take your son, your only son whom you love. He had no idea about Jesus. He had very limited information from God. And look at how Abraham responds. Early the next morning, verse 3, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in a distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey. 
while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. That gives us an idea of how old Isaac was. Old enough for a young boy to carry wood. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Can you for a moment place yourself in the shoes of Abraham? Feel that lump in your throat? Feel that kick in your gut? You know what God has asked. He hasn't told his son. And Isaac's asked in a very simple question. Where's the lamb? Where's the sacrifice? I don't know how Abraham could take another step. I'll, I'll never, as a dad, I'll never understand how Abraham could even say what he just said. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. Okay, let's do a little geography so you know. They're in a place called Beersheba. It's about 75 miles south of Jerusalem. Jerusalem doesn't exist yet as a city. But Jerusalem is built on Mount Moriah. So if you're piecing this together, maybe you already know the story. I remember when I heard the story for the first time, it just stopped me in my tracks. That God told Abraham, take your son, your only son whom you love, and go to Jerusalem and sacrifice him there. Does this sound familiar? God sent his son, his son, his only son whom he loved to Jerusalem to die on a cross and to sacrifice himself for the sins of the whole world. And Isaac's asking, where's the lamb? Where's the lamb, father? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb. He had no idea how prophetic he was he was speaking at that moment. That God told Abraham, I want you to go to the very place, 75 miles, I want you to go to the very place that 2,000 years later, Jesus is gonna give up his life instead of your son. But you don't know that yet. And that should tell us something in our life. God doesn't always tell you the why, but God will ask us to do something. There are times that God asks us to give something up in following him. He'll ask us to give something up out of obedience, like, why, why would you ask me to give that up? That's so precious to me. Sometimes things that are very dear to us, God will say, do you love me more than that? How much do you love me? What's most precious to you? 
Will you give it up for me? And God asks what seems like, are you kidding, God? You're asking me to give this up? Mm -hmm. In obedience to you? Mm -hmm. And we don't understand the why. That's later. Oftentimes, if God has ever asked you to give something up and you give it up, and it doesn't make sense, and it's the hardest thing you've ever done, give it time. You oftentimes will get to a place where you can look back in your life and go, now I understand. At the time, it's so hard to follow Christ. It's so hard to know what God's doing. That he asks us to give something up out of obedience. We do it. We don't get it. We don't understand it. We don't like it. We don't appreciate it. We don't agree with it. But out of obedience, it's like, I just know I have to do this. And then usually it's later on that God will show it. Abraham didn't know. He had no idea. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. Can you put yourself in his position? I probably would take all day to do that. I don't think I would just build an altar. Like when we read, oh, Abraham built an altar. How could you build an altar knowing what you had to do? And he keeps following, he keeps walking. I have no doubt he was saying, please God, is there another way, is there another way? Can we not do this? Can we try something else? So he rains the wood on the altar. Now there's a gap, God doesn't tell us, but he must have had a conversation with his son. And then it says he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Can you picture the drama? The torment? Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Imagine God there. He was. God's tears were different at this moment. God was watching this human being. So willing to be obedient to God, to give up his own son for God. Can you see God standing there, tears coming down, knowing that in about 2,000 years, they're going to stand on this same mountain again, except that it's going to be Jesus breathing his last. Last week, Matt talked about the second person of the Trinity that we now know as Jesus. Imagine the second person of the Trinity right there on the mountain with Abraham. Tears. 
saying, this is going to be me on a cross. That was a moment in history like no other. There was no other moment in all of history that God was present right there with Abraham. And I think God couldn't fathom how much Abraham loved God enough that Abraham would do this to his own son. You see, when we read, for God so loved the world that he gave, we can gloss over that. We see that in NFL, John 3.16. Yes. Stop. For God so loved Abraham so loved God that he was willing to give up his son. You want to talk about the fullest expression of love? It was right at that moment. Probably no greater, no greater story in the whole Bible of greater love shown to God than to do what Abraham was about to do. Verse 11, but... Love that word. Love that word. Let's go back. Then he reached out his hand. He took the knife to slay his son. But, but, did you notice now it says, the angel of the Lord. Not an angel. The angel. When the scriptures say the angel, it is God himself. God, the angel who was in the form of it, the angel called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld from me your son, your only son. I would imagine if I was Abraham, I would have just collapsed. Because I was about to do the most unbelievable thing. You know, it's hard to understand, but I want to read Hebrews 11. It gives us an insight. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. That should just bring shudders to us. Because in that very place, the greatest son of all time, God's son, gave up his life, but actually went through with it. God allowed it to happen. The father watched, let it happen. But then God brought his son back to life.
I, as I read this story, I think about our life today. God calls us to a life of obedience, doesn't he? God calls us to sacrifice. Not to the level that he did Abraham. God invites us to be obedient. God invites us to sacrifice. God invites us to serve. He doesn't mandate it like he did to Abraham. He invites us. He invited his disciples to follow him. I think God does the same today. I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know what God is doing in your life. But the invitation from God to you today is to follow him. And it means that, God, is there anything in my life hindering my relationship with you? Take it from me. Is there anything you want me to do so that I can follow you wholeheartedly? Give that up. And it's a life of service. Listen to what Paul said. Last verse I'll read. In Galatians 2.20, this is what Paul said. I have been crucified with Christ, meaning it's all of us, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. These two stories are so tied. Abraham and Jesus now scan ahead, you and me. God, I want to follow you. Don't be surprised when God says, okay, let's talk. Let's talk. And when God asks you to do something, it's out of love for him that we say, God, this is the hardest thing I've ever done, but it's out of my love for you that I'm going to do this. And God gets honored. Well, let's pray, okay? God, I don't know how to say thank you enough for the story of Abraham, which he had no idea that 2,000 years later what Jesus would do. But we know the rest of the story. But it's not the rest of the story in our life because that story is just playing out. May we have the faith of Abraham that followed you at all costs, that he was willing to give up even his own son to follow you. Father, may we'd be willing to look at everything in our life. Is there anything that you're calling us to give up? Is there anything you're calling us to go do? Is there anything you're calling us to be? Help us to be that person, to do those things, to follow you, to listen to your voice, to show you how much that we love you because of how much love you have for us. Thank you, Jesus, from the bottom of our heart, for loving us so much that you'd give up your life for us. It's in his name that we pray. And everybody said, 
Thank you for tuning in today. We hope you are challenged and encouraged to walk in truth in your everyday. Please share with friends and family, and we can't wait to have you next time on the Messiah Podcast.